Live, this is the Campfire Cafe on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. Tennessee. I'm your host, Gary Holt. 
Joining me in Albuquerque, New Mexico, is our host, Miss Bobby Bell. Good morning, Bobby. Good morning, Gary, on this third day of December. Uh, we had a little snow. We woke up yesterday morning, and we had about three inches of snow. Uh, we, we were surprised. Have wow. you had snow yet? Have you had more well, snow yet, was, I guess I should say? <laughs> there was uh, snow in Escalante about three weeks ago, but it came uh-huh. and went, you know. And yeah. uh, and yeah. then back at my home in Tennessee, it actually snowed two days ago. So it's ah. kind of a, yeah, it's kind of hit and miss everywhere across the country. But um, beautiful day, beautiful day here in Escalante today. So we're looking forward to the Christmas season, and things are rolling pretty good. We're so looking forward to our guest today, who we've got joining us. We have Twin Kennedy with us, Carly and Julie Kennedy, and they haven't been with us in a while, and so we're looking forward to catching up with them. So it's going to be a lot of fun visiting with them. We're going to be playing music from their Twin Kennedy Christmas CD. And then in the second hour of the show, Randy Rasmussen, Country Horseman of America, is going to be joining us. And we're going to talk in wilderness in the second hour of the show. So it's going to be a whole lot of fun. So how was your Thanksgiving, Bobby? Oh, it was, you know, it was very nice. It was, of course, you know, just uh, two of us um, following all the protocols here in New Mexico um, for what our governor wanted us to do. And, um, and you know, and um, so we we didn't do a turkey. We did. We love Cornish hens. And um, that's what we did for, for Thanksgiving. We had a, a very nice, you know, very nice day. A lot of phone cool. conversations. Good. <laughs> Good. Well, we stayed home, just the two of us together, and uh, celebrated Thanksgiving kind of late on Thanksgiving Day because we did the first ever Equestrian Legacy Radio (laughs) Facebook Live broadcast. And so we had a fantastic concert with three of our favorites, Mary Kay, (coughs) Kathy Boss, and Seth and Cassie Wilde were on the show. So we had a great concert, lasted about an hour and a half, and we just were so grateful. We had thousands and thousands of people that tuned in to watch that Facebook Live concert. So we're grateful for that. And we had so much fun that we're going to come back and do it again on Christmas Day evening. So everybody watch for uh, updates on what's happening on Equestrian Legacy Radio's Facebook page. But we've got a great Christmas day concert scheduled and planned for you so that's gonna be a lot of fun a lot of fun but right now we've got a lot of fun lined up with twin Kenny, with carly and julie and we're going to be visiting with them when we come back in just a moment but right now let's listen to one of their great songs from a twin kennedy christmas it's called it's beginning to look a lot like christmas it's beginning to look a lot like christmas The prettiest that see is the holly that will 
Welcome back to Campfire Cafe on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. We just heard It's Beginning to Look a Lot Like Christmas, performed by today's guests Carly and Julie Kennedy from their album, A Twin Kennedy Christmas. We are so excited to catch up with twin sisters Carly and Julie, known as Twin Kennedy today, as it's been a couple of years since they were last with us. They have been making music together since they could talk. Born and raised in a small town in British Columbia, they grew up perfecting their sibling harmonies and dynamic live performances while making their name known as a family band. Their unique sound today is a fusion of their background in country, folk, jazz, and classical music. With Carly on vocals and guitar and Julie on vocals and fiddle, these petite powerhouses will fill your soul with joy and warmth through their seamless harmonies and heartfelt songwriting. No bond compares to that of sisters, and the same is to be said about the blend of their kindred voices. Today, we continue our celebration of Sounds of the Season with music from their holiday album, A Twin Kennedy Christmas. Mixing both Twin Kennedy originals and holiday classics, this album is sure to be a Christmas staple for years to come. Co-written with some of the finest Canadian and Nashville talent and accompanied by Music City's best musicians, including the rhythm section of Grammy Award-winning group The Time Jumpers, Twin Kennedy's sound is brought to its purest form with tracks like I'm a Child Again and their lead single, Cold Weather. Please welcome back to Campfire Cafe, Carly and Julie Kennedy, two voices that make one singular sensation, Twin Kennedy. Welcome. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much for having us. We're so happy to be back. Well, it's good to have you girls back. It almost sounded like an echo there for just a minute. It did. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, gosh. So, then, uh, it's been a few years since you guys have been on. And what's been going on with Twin Kennedy in Nashville? And what's been going on with this COVID thing? Well, it has certainly been a crazy time, hasn't it, for everyone? It has. And, um, well, we're just so happy to be back and chatting with you guys and sharing some Christmas tunes. I think um, after such a unique year, we're very excited for Christmas time and just, you know, celebrating. We're all homebound, so we are just, you know, diving deep into Christmas decorating and playing Christmas music. We're doing um, a lot of virtual Christmas performances and things this season to celebrate the Christmas album and our new um, holiday single, Not So Silent Night. So we've got a lot of new uh, material and content coming up for that. And we've just been, we've just both been, been homebound over the last year, like everyone sort of adjusting to the new normal of COVID. And of course, uh, postponed the release of our, our next uh, upcoming album just due to the whole tour being being postponed um, and just kind of re readjusting and finding our, our, our new normal here in, in the quarantine life. But we're enjoying the time at home and trying to make the most of it for sure. And like I said, it's, it's going to be even better now with Christmas. You know, you get to put up all the decorations and enjoy this season. So that's great. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess it's different for you girls because um, I'm I'm assuming the borders are still closed. So you'll not be able to go back to Canada for Christmas this year, will you? We won't, and that is definitely going to be tough. I, I know that a lot of people are experiencing that this season, and so we're all trying to figure out plans to feel close even though we can't be there in person. So we're planning a 
a Kennedy family Zoom Christmas this year. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I guess we all need to be thankful for uh, Zoom and FaceTime, you know, because at least we can stay in touch that way. So that's that's pretty cool. That is pretty oh, cool. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So I got I got a look at uh, about fifty seconds of the not so silent night video that you guys have done, and oh, that so was absolute. That's so great. That is so great. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, we, we had a lot of fun over throughout uh, COVID times. We've been doing a lot of video editing and putting together some new material for people because everyone's looking for some fun entertainment, you know, when we're home. And and so we started going through our old Kennedy family home videos. Now we are very lucky because our parents uh, would would at the time you had to like rent a video camera or like you right. know like four hundred one to like. Yeah, yeah. But usually yeah. during the holidays, they always would get a video camera of some sort, and we've got all this old footage. And I, I mean, it was so much fun going through all these clips. And I started matching them up to Not So Silent Night, which is our new holiday single. And it's all about the fun things we do on Christmas Eve and how we get in the holiday spirit. And sure enough, like every line in the song had, you know, clips of us as kids baking Christmas cookies, uh, dancing <laughs> around the tree. And I was just laughing yeah. my face off. I couldn't wait to share it. So it's a lot of fun for people who haven't seen it. It is on our website at twinkennedy.com. We'll have the link to our YouTube and it's on Facebook. And you can check it out. It's a lyric video we put together for Not So Silent Night. And it's all the Kennedy family home Christmas videos. <laughs> oh, that's great. That is great. Well, I'm going to kind of skip around a little bit. I wasn't going to play Not So Silent Night quite yet, but I think let's go ahead and get to that. And we'll come back and talk more with Julie in just a moment today on the Campfire Cafe. It's the night before Christmas and all through the house. We're stirring up the eggnog and laying cookies out. Mama's in the door, daddy's stringing up the tars. Gather round this old piano, it's about to start. We're gonna dig the whole from around the Christmas tree up to the night But it sounds so good to me, we keep singing through the songbook. I'll never get to sleep. The Santa Claus will come down, but I won't bow and I won't cry. Cause all I want for Christmas is enough. 
Not So Silent Night by <laughs> So Much Fun. And the video is so cool. That goes along with this song. Um, with the, We're talking with Carly and Julie Kennedy, Twin Kennedy, and this is their newest single. And what fun. You guys are really inspired, weren't you? Oh, thank you. We had a lot of fun with that tune. You can hear it in all the yeehaw. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Now, you know, you do, you have a great website and um, I enjoy kind of going through your, your blog. And um, one of the things, and I just couldn't remember if it was this year or was this last year in April, you did two music videos in two days. Was that, was that this year? That was this year. Yeah. That was where our first singles off of our new EP that will be coming out in 2021. And that was a crazy couple of days for sure. Yeah, because that was in April. I mean, in April, so much had been shut down already. So that's so cool. Um, you got some great pictures of of that. You want to just talk about those? You've got your dad involved. You want to just talk about them making those videos a little bit? Oh, sure. Yeah, we'd love to. We are so lucky to have such an amazing team of people that come together to make a music video happen, which is a lot. You've got to have the video director. You've got to have um, the right outfits. We always have our amazing photographer there to take photos. And and like you said, number one is our dad has been at every video shoot, and he he's even the has, number wow. one behind-the-scenes helper. We give him <laughs> yes. that, the number and one even, title of that. Even on camera, <laughs> because if people want to look closely, you can look at even past videos, and my dad is in them. Um, so he's been an actor, he's been a behind the scenes helper, and we decided, because we're, cra- we're crazy, we thought we'd film two videos in two days, we luckily got amazing weather on the west coast of Canada, so for anyone that hasn't been, um, it is, I mean, it can be really unpredictable, but the weather there, it can either like pour rain or just be like the most heavenly weather you've ever experienced. So we got so lucky. Our video we shot was for Blind Spot, which was our first single off this new album. And we decided to hike into a waterfall um, on the west coast of Canada. Oh, wow. It was October when we were filming this. So we hiked into this waterfall, and our dad was carrying all the um, the gowns. We changed into gowns in the waterfall, and uh, we filmed this video. <laughs> <laughs> it was wild. You can check it out. But needless to say, like getting up early in the morning, our dad was directing traffic. We had, like, ca- some cars driving by. And now it's out in the country, so, we, you know, not too many cars. We were, we were okay. But there was a lot of pieces coming together to make this happen. And then if that wasn't enough, we decided to, you know, to go ahead and shoot a whole other video the next day. <laughs> wow. Amazing. Oh, wow. Amazing. It's so fun. It's so fun to put. To put a video to a song, and Carly and I always say, if when we finish writing a song, we can immediately picture the music video coming to life, then we feel like that is a great song. Well, it mm-hmm. is, and I'll, mm-hmm. and I'll tell you, you, you girls do a great job, do an absolutely great job with your music videos, because uh, I remember the first videos that I ever saw of you girls, and they were terrific then you know thank you you're welcome and i expect the skills just keep getting better too don't they 
<laughs> you hope so, yeah. <laughs> Definitely, but it's, it's also such a great um, team of people that we found that are so creative and great at what they do. And then as artists, you get more and more comfortable knowing how to create the right the right energy, the right space, you know, what you, how you, how you act in front of the camera, all that stuff I think does definitely get easier over time. Um, but certainly having the people there that, that do such a great job of filming and, and um, having people like our dad there to just create a fun and positive space. I think that comes through on the camera and it, you can, you can feel that energy, you know, when it, when it's positive. Oh, that's great. Well, sometimes it just takes a village to produce something so it looks like you've got the right village out there working with you. Oh, that's such a great way to put it. And I totally agree. We do. We're so lucky. We have this amazing family of people, um, some that are literally family, but the others feel like family because we've done so many projects together. And I think when you find those people, you you hold them tight. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, you know what? We better get to some more music because we've got quite a few songs from the CD that we want to get to today. And this is one that I really like called Snow Man. And we're going to come back and talk more with Carly and Julie and Bobby today around the Campfire Cafe. You're right. 
in January of the year that the record came out. And so we oh, wow. put our Christmas tree back up. And we, re- <laughs> in fact, I don't think I ever took mine down. And we made sure to leave the Christmas lights on the house so people probably thought that we were those people that were gonna uh-huh. leave them up all year long. But it was it was on purpose to keep ourselves in that in that Christmas mood and we really wanted to try to write songs that that we felt could stand the test of time. It was it was a really a really fun writing process because you're you're not just writing the next single that will be out for a few months. You're trying to write a song that is going to come back every year and and bring back those those magical feelings of the holidays that I think we all we all long for. Well, you succeeded in my opinion. Oh, and thank you. You are very welcome. And so here's another great song from the CD, A Twin Kennedy Christmas. It's one called cold weather and we'll be back in just a moment on the campfire day frostbite on the front porch swing snowflakes on the window pane icicles on evergreen white is covering everything oh no one wants to go Weather, 
by Carly and Julie Kennedy from their wonderful holiday CD, A Twin Kennedy Christmas. And Rolling Stone named this song one of 10 new country and Americana Christmas songs to hear right now. That's amazing, you guys. (laughs) Oh, thank you. That was definitely a bucket list moment for sure. I bet. (laughs) Okay, I have two questions. One is, what is a favorite Christmas tradition that you um, continue? And what is a favorite Christmas food or pastry? Ooh, well, I mean, Christmas traditions are often wrapped around food, which I would never complain with. (laughs) I love it. Um, But one thing that we've done for a lot of years as a family, and this is usually instigated by me, this is Carly, um, but something that I love doing is Christmas caroling. And Mm. so uh, we like to get all bundled up and go door to door to our neighbors. And especially um, when we were in our our hometown of Powell River, where we grew up, it's a little small town where, you know, you know all your neighbors. And so we would go from house to house singing songs and uh, sharing music. And that's something that I always think back on. And I think we need to we need to re restart this tradition here, maybe in Nashville this year. Go door to door. Do you think that it's safe that we will be? that it would be cool to go door to door as long as we're six feet apart. I feel yeah. like yeah. Stay far social back. distance. Yeah. Yeah. Social, social distance. Caroling. Yeah. That's right. I love it. Maybe go in and eat the cookies, but it would be great. <laughs> but cookies, that's up on my list of fav- favorite, favorite treats. So my, our mom, I say my mom, our mom <laughs> is an incredible chef and she basically cooks, uh, I say she cooks a four course meal for almost every dinner when we are home. We are spoiled oh, rotten, wow. and for wow. Christmas she goes all out. And so we have, oh my goodness, so many different treats and amazing goodies. What's your favorite one, Carly? Well, I honestly, at New Year's or New Year's Eve, Christmas Eve, um, we often do a fondue. So if you guys mm-hmm. have ever done a fondue before, but we do like mm-hmm. a regular fondue with, with meats and cheeses and things for dinner, and then we do chocolate fondue. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's fun. <laughs> what song are you doing next, Gary? What song well, we're, gonna, we're going to get to one of the famous Chris classics that's on the CD. And this is one called I'll Be Home for Christmas. Uh, We'll be right back to talk more about food and music when we return today on the Campfire Cafe.
home for Christmas, Twin Kennedy, Carly and Julie, and this is the Campfire Cat. Your host, Gary Holt, along with my co-host, Bobby Jean Bell, and um, a great, great song. I love your version of that. Oh, thank you. I definitely think that one's that one is feeling very, very uh, different this year, because I know, as we talked before, a lot of us can't go home for Christmas, so... I'll be home for Christmas in my dreams is a true statement. <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. sure that it mm-hmm. will be. I'm sure that it will be. Hey, I was going to ask you, we were talking about fondue a minute ago. So have you girls been to the melting pot down on second Avenue? We have not, but it sounds like our kind of place. I think so. That's the famous fondue spot there in Nashville. Oh and, my uh, goodness. How has this not happened yet? I haven't any <laughs> idea. No idea. But anyway, okay, it's well, a lot of fun. Let us know when you're back. <laughs> All right. We'll be back in January, so we may have to watch you. But uh, anyhow, I had a question that I was going to ask you, and I, and it's totally left me now. Bobby, what would I be asking them right now? Um, you'd be asking them to uh, set up the next song, I'm a Child Again. Well, that is one of our favorite songs off the album. I know you said, um, Gary, for you as well. Um, and that we wrote with uh, Joe Doyle, another songwriter here in Nashville, who has been such a great friend of ours for many years. And that song is all about the things at Christmas time that take you back to being a kid again and make you feel that childhood magic of Christmas, which is a feeling that I think we all love to capture. So this song is all about those wonderful things that make you feel like a child again at the holidays. It's a special song, and this should be a Christmas classic that's on everybody's list for the holiday season. So let's take a listen to that and come back and talk more with Carly and Julie in just a moment.
Kennedy Christmas, and the song is I'm a Child Again. We're talking with Carly and Julie, and uh, like most of us, they've been affected by this COVID-19 and the coronavirus. So, girls, what is the first thing that you're going to do when this thing is all behind us? <laughs> well, a lot of hugs to everyone. <laughs> I mean, definitely we will be visiting family like we talked about. Um, not mm-hmm. to, to be flying and traveling as much as all of us are used to is a, is a big adjustment. So that'll be really fun. And uh, we have a new niece or nephew we don't know yet on the way. So oh, being wow. able to get home and, and meet them is going to be amazing. Um, and certainly playing music live. I mean, that's something that we miss dearly, and we can't wait to be out playing for people again. And I think it's going to bring on a whole new level of, of appreciation and gratitude for those times when we get to be together in person and be sharing music and sharing art. So it's something that we're certainly counting down to when we can do that again safely. Yeah. So do you have some, do you have some gigs? Are you going to be touring uh, with some dates for the first part of the year? Not yet. Uh, a lot of the theaters and places where we were scheduled to play are still, we're still being really cautious and yeah. um, wanting to make sure that, that we can gather, you know, safely. So what we've been doing is a lot of um, virtual performances and we have some Christmas ones on the way that will be coming from various um, presenters and organizations that are amazing and still working to keep arts going virtually while we're all stuck at home and, um, we're also, we are super excited. We've been working on a new project throughout the entire uh, COVID time, and that is an educational pro- project. So we have been recording our entire Twin Kennedy workshops that we do in schools across North America, and we oh, talk wow. all about how we get ready to play on stage and perform and feel confident as, as performers on stage. And we have taken that and created a whole online version. So you guys can uh, be breaking the news that you can be watching for Twin Kennedy Music School and some new educational stuff for all of our friends and fellow performers that they can be working on. And it'll be, it'll be an online series. So that way all the students who are, you know, working from home and, and learning virtually can, can do that with us too. Right. Well, one of the things that I have noticed with so many different events and organizations, whether it's uh, musicians or whether it's in the equine field, uh, there are some things that this that this coronavirus has brought about that are going to be permanent parts of everybody's um, repertoire. Uh, I know a lot of the questions events that have had to go to virtual events have decided we're just going to do this all the time. We'll have a part of what we do uh, online and available for people to be able to see around the world. Uh, So sounds a little bit like maybe the school program that you've got in place, maybe something that might happen. Definitely. I think even if it's just that we've all become a lot more adept and more comfortable with the virtual learning side of things and the virtual connection. I mean, all of us have done this for years, like your radio show. This is so cool. We can connect from afar. But for a lot of people, I think it's the first time they've been learning to use FaceTime and learning to, to, you know, log into Zoom and do all this kind of thing. And 
realizing that there's really a huge potential to connect with people that way because not everyone is lucky enough to get to travel the world like we do as performers and see, you know, different places. Not everyone has that um, that ability with their job or their, you know, their world. And so especially now when people are getting more used to the idea of it, we're like, okay, let's, let's make this something that, that can last, like you said, and be able to stay connected and, and be growing and learning as musicians, whether or not we can, you know, be in person. Yeah. Well, I think it's so cool because uh, people that are in, uh, for example, China, they listen to the. Sh- they actually listen to the show in China. I don't know how they do that, That's but they listen so to the show. Cool. But you know, if they're in China and you're doing virtual or online performances, they can actually see Twin Kennedy performing that they might not have an opportunity to do. And um, same with horse events. You know, there there are people that are, have not been able to travel to different locations. They can actually see these things now. So I think it's. I think it's been a it's been a pain in the butt to deal with this <laughs> coronavirus thing, but I think there will be a lot of good that has come out of it, and I think probably will expand everybody's market. So I, you know, there's always a silver lining in everything, I guess. I think that's such a nice way to put it, and certainly um, it, it doesn't downplay all the challenges that everyone's gone through, but it but it's seeing the the positive results of all of us. I think just as as human beings, we all want to be connected, and so seeing how everyone is just working hard to to learn how to do that, you know, on just a short timeline, even just switching things over and, and figuring that out and navigating such a huge uh, world event is um it is amazing, and it's inspiring to to be a part of that and to to be able to. To revamp and and for all of us, just we feel honestly, we feel so lucky to ha- be able to do that. To live in a time where we can still stay connected, we can still share music and share education. So it's 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 pretty wonderful. Well, it is, it is, and you girls are pretty wonderful, and have been uh-huh. such great guests. I so much appreciate it, and I know Bobby does as well. To have you guys on the show with us today, but uh, we've got folks that are listening around the world right now and I know they want to find out how they can get not only a Twin Kennedy Christmas but how can your other music so give us your website and maybe some of your social media oh thank you well our website we're easy to find Um, and we are identical twins you can't maybe tell through the phone although maybe you can (laughs) (laughs) Um, so we're easy to find. We are twinkennedy.com is the website, and that has links to all our social media. We're at Twin Kennedy for all the socials, and we love to stay in touch with everyone. We do have the Christmas album for sale. We do autographed copies of it for anyone that wants to get their stocking stuffers ready for family and friends. We still love um, having you know physical copies of the Christmas album, and they're all online as well on all the streaming sites. All right. Well, you girls are absolutely fantastic, and uh, be sure and check out all of their social media and follow them, and you can get, uh, I know that you can get some previews of some of the new videos that are coming out, and go back and look at their videos on YouTube or wherever it might be. But these girls are absolutely fantastic, and you have been so much fun today. And we may for having us. Thank well, you. you're very welcome. So we may have to try the melting pot when, when we get back to Nashville. 
Okay, we will hold you to that. <laughs> All right. It sounds good. It sounds good. Well, let's close this out with another song from the CD. It's a Twin Kennedy Christmas, and it's one called Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Girls, Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas. Merry, to Merry Christmas. You. Thank you so Merry much. Merry Christmas. Legacy Radio Network. When we come back, we'll be talking with Randy Rasmussen with Backcountry Horsemen of America. Western way, 
Joni Harms, Cowboy Christmas. Welcome back to Saddle Up America on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. And our guest today is Mr. Randy Rasmussen with Backcountry Horsemen of America. Hey, Randy. Hello, Gary. Hi, Bobby. How are you, my, how are you, my friend? I am doing well. I can't complain despite all the craziness around us and the people that are suffering. I, I just can't complain. Well, good. I like to hear that. Don't you, Bobby? I do. I absolutely do, yes. <laughs> uh, I'm a little tired of hearing all the complaining that's going on. I mean, we still have to be cautious and careful, but um, maybe maybe we shouldn't complain much. I know we have a lot to be thankful for, and we've just come mm-hmm. out of Thanksgiving. How was your Thanksgiving, Randy? It was small, low-key, but but wonderful. So thanks for asking. Well, you're very welcome. Did you have uh, turkey or something else? Well, I've got two vegan daughters, and I, you know, and so we've had the last couple of years I'm pretty much a vegetarian type of uh, Thanksgiving, and they're so creative. It's actually very interesting and exciting, and unlike my initial thoughts about what a vegetarian Thanksgiving would be. <laughs> <laughs> well then, then I will not extend my sympathy to you like I started. So. <laughs> oh goodness! Well, I know Bobby said she had Cornish hen, and I had uh, I had turkey breast. My wife's a great cook, and that was kind of a nice change for me. But um, yeah, so I think everybody had a everybody I've talked with has had a has had a pretty nice Thanksgiving, and now we're getting ready to roll into the Christmas season. And I don't think I asked you this before, but what maybe is some of your favorite Christmas memories growing up? Oh, boy. Yeah, I guess there'd have to be snow involved most of the time. Um, Yeah, I've I've had some snow-filled Christmas times, both uh, when I first – I was a youngster in – Pennsylvania uh, as a kid and that's of course you know at those ages Christmas and everything about the wonder but I've had some snowed in Christmases you know way back then uh, in that state that were just uh, great to have and you know family uh, the whole bit so I I guess when I first thing I think of is uh, you know being a six-year-old kid in Pennsylvania yeah did you have Mm -hmm. uh, your snow sled did you have your snow sled yeah, yeah, we had a hill uh, right down the street from us too, so uh, we took advantage of that. Exactly, you've got the picture. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was thinking the other day that uh, you know I, I was just uh, I was just a poor boy, so we had to use cardboard boxes for our slits. <laughs> but you still had fun, I'm sure. We still had fun, and that was because. My dad sold all the snow sleds, so we had to make do. You know, he was in the he was in the five and dime business, so you know, customers came first. Customers came first. Wow. Yeah, but anyway, um, so we're going to talk about wilderness a little bit today. So I know there's some wilderness around me out here in Utah right now that I'm just not used to, but talk to us a little bit about wilderness and maybe start out talking about the Wilderness Act. Well, yeah, and, and let's because this is exciting. This is something we can really get excited about. It and one of the best things about wilderness. So, what's what's wilderness? It's a concept. In many cases, people have different definitions, but there's a legal definition that Congress created 
um, that we have federally protected wilderness areas across the country, and they're of huge importance to backcountry horsemen and women. I mean, it's this is this is where we thrive in a landscape that's wild, you know, untamed, and where you can find a deep sense of solitude. This is the uh, you know quintessential backcountry experience, and wilderness is, is critical. Um, that's really why we exist. The Backcountry Horsemen of America exists as an organization, is to protect and be stewards of the nation's wilderness areas. So I'll, I'll throw a statistic at you, and Bobby, um, can you guess how much of the, well, let's say lower 48 states in the U.S., how much of the land area, what percentage is federally protected wilderness? Wow. Wow. Mm, that's interesting. I will guess. What do you think, Gary? I will guess 60%. Bobby? Uh, I'll give you a hint. Low, it's, it's much lower than that. Okay. I was going to say 40, 45%, but well, even if, lower, if huh? Take, like, like 10%? Okay, yeah. If we take all the lands, <laughs> you know, not just federal okay. lands, but we take all the lands in the coterminous 48 states, it makes up just under 3% of the landscape. Wow. Really? It's It's something... Well, yeah, it's hard to get your head around that because you think, oh, wilderness uh-huh. areas are so vast and there's so many, particularly in the western United States. But if you break right. down the acreage, uh, it's amazing. I mean, even here in Oregon, it's about at that 3% of the entire landscape in the state. Um, other states, California, it's more like 10 or 12. Um, but there's such a range. But there is really, in the scheme of things, so very little. Wow. Wow! And if, wow! If you throw if you throw in Alaska, you know a good portion of the the lands, the federal lands in Alaska, are wilderness. If you throw in Alaska uh, for the U.S. count, it's it's closer to five percent of the total landscapes in the the fifty states. Okay. So, All right. Well, I'm I'm a little surprised, but uh, if it's that small, it certainly needs protecting, doesn't it? Well, that's that's and always preserving. been the thought. Is yeah, you know, uh, protect. The, that those last remaining wild lands where nature largely runs free, where wildlife is abundant, and you know, and there's just we just don't develop every square inch of the nation, and you know, trample and trample and you know, and have our presence everywhere. There are just places that are nice to keep in that yeah. state of relative preservation, and I use that term relative because it's not a given that once you make wilderness that it's safe forever, and we can talk about that shortly too. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's 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 pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. Well, so talk to us a little bit about what the purpose of the Wilderness Act was, the, the history of the Wilderness yeah. Act, maybe the purpose of the act. Okay, and I'll throw another one at you. Um, can you guess what administration, what year the Wilderness Act was passed by Congress? And it, I'll give you a hint, LBJ. Mm. Ah, so that would have been... <laughs> That would have been back in the 60s. Yep. Yep. And you guys were around, I, I would assume. But, yep. um, yeah, Lyndon B. Johnson, 1964, was okay. when the first act was passed into law. And it took over eight years and dozens of drafts. Uh, of, And it's, you know, I don't recommend people read an act of Congress, a bill, but this one is the most <laughs> poetic and beautiful and where they're trying to get this concept of what is wilderness. And clearly it's, it's a European concept, right? I mean, right. The, the, the Europeans largely 
you know, develops every square inch or at least a lot of their uh, that continent. And when the European folks came to this new world at the time, you know, wild lands were viewed as, you know, places to avoid and places that are dangerous, right? All the mythology we have from Little Red Riding Hood to whatever else, the woods are out, out the wild was dangerous and, and scary. So it certainly is a European concept because I don't think the Native Americans made such distinction. You know, arguably they were always at home in the landscape, right. whereas right. we're not. But the, but the act itself took many years and many, you know, visionaries to kind of say, well, let's find a way to protect these last remaining wild landscapes. And I won't read any of this act, but seriously, if people want to, it's only a few pages. And if they really want to get an idea of, of how eloquent and what wilderness is meant to be at, at a federal U.S. government sense, read the act. But really, the primary mandate of the Wilderness Act is to preserve wilderness character. And what's, that's basically the natural, untamed, undeveloped, and primitive aspects of what makes wilderness what it is. And, and you know, most of us have that in our mindset you know, here in the U.S. about what that means. And, but importantly, wilderness was meant to be used and enjoyed by the public. So Primitive recreation, that's an interesting term, uh, yeah. part of the definition of wilderness in the Wilderness Act. What do you think of when you think of primitive recreation? Well, I think about what I enjoy, and that's horseback riding back in the, in the uh, wide open spaces, you know, back up in the Big yeah. South Fork or back up in the Smoky Mountains or before too long back in the Washington. Range here in Utah or wherever it may be. Exactly, um, and so it's we have wilderness areas. I think forty-four states uh, in the nation. Um, there is, you know, I, I guess the total tally now is over eight hundred wilderness areas, and some of them are small mm-hmm. uh, in acreage. Some are huge. Uh, like, well, let's say the Bob Marshall Wilderness Complex in Montana. That's kind of the, mm-hmm. uh, the ultimate kind of backcountry experience for our horsemen. That's pretty close to that country. It was where Backcountry Horsemen of America was founded in that state. Right. And we have, right. you know, been doing a lot. Of, that's, that's about 1.5 million acres. Um, wow. And, and you can get lost in there, but... The, the size of some of these wilderness areas, particularly in the western United States, is, is mind-boggling. I mean, it goes harkens back to a, a visionary. I don't know if you folks have read anything from Aldo Leopold, who oh, was over a century ago at this rate, but he really tried to look at man's connection with nature. And he had, he had one of the first concepts of wilderness when he was working in the Gila country in uh, western New Mexico. He thought that the concept of wilderness and it had it'll take more, many more decades to get there, at least for Congress. But he said wilderness should be big enough to absorb a two week pack trip. So packing with your horses and mules and traveling mm. for two weeks, un, uninterrupted, not coming across major developments or roads or things like that. So um, that's the vastness that was first envisioned. And many of those wilderness areas that exist today meet that criteria. Many don't. And that's okay because each it, there's a national wilderness preservation system in the U.S. That's what it's called. And that's what was created in 1964. So there are some I wouldn't say standards, but it's it's managed as a system as a whole by the federal government and different agencies. And we can mention those briefly too. 
but it's a whole system from the small to the big, from Pelican Island off the coast of, uh, of the East Coast of maybe eight, eight or 11 acres at most, to some of these mega wilderness complexes, including Alaska, where it's in the millions of acres. Wow. Randy, wow. Randy are, are all of our national parks or state parks, are they part of, you know, um, are they part of what's, what's protected in this act or are they protected in another way? Good. No, good question. So state parks, no, because this is a federal overlay that Congress uh-huh. on federal lands. But some states, okay. since the 1964 Wilderness Act, passed their own state Wilderness Act. And so I'm thinking of California, Washington, some other places that I know of firsthand. They, their state parks do manage if their legislatures create it and say we want to protect this place much like the federal government does. That happens. The managers – and our, so our national parks, you asked about that, Bobby – um, mm-hmm. Many of our national parks do have vast wild lands. For example, near you, Gary, um, Zion, much of that right. national mm-hmm. park mm-hmm. is federally designated, you know, wilderness. Um, okay. Many don't, and some some of the wilderness status of many of our national parks still stands in limbo or lies in limbo because Congress has never acted. I'm thinking the Grand Canyon, um, oh, you know, okay. other places that you would just think, oh, well, that's wilderness, right? Well, not necessarily. Yeah. It's not been formally designated yet by Congress, and, you know, there's there's lots of reasons, but the bulk of our National Wilderness Preservation System, I think, yeah, about 40% is managed by the National Park Service. Then you have the U.S. Forest Service, which manages, I want to uh. say, about a third. Um, so a lot of our national forests, both in the east uh, and west, and of course, Alaska, are wilderness. Uh, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, a lot of national wildlife refuges, you know, are designated wilderness in addition to being a refuge. Um, and then lastly, I think the, uh, the the Bureau of Land Management out in the western states, uh, there is a lot of wilderness and proposed wilderness on BLM-managed lands. And they all do things a little bit differently, but they do have a collective – because of that preservation system of wilderness, they do have a think tank, you know, out of Montana that all the agencies, those four agencies at the federal level I mentioned, work together – and try to be more consistent in how they manage wilderness for the for the American public. Well, that's good. That is a good thing. Interesting. It's, it's, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, we want to take a real quick break. This has been interesting so far. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we want to take a quick break, listen to a song from Riders in the Sky called Corn, Water, and Woods. We're talking about wood and water. And when we come back, we're going to talk more with Randy Rasmussen with Backcountry Horsemen of America. Get your friends and your neighbors and get them around the uh, computer or whatever and take a listen and join in with us. But uh, this is Saddle of America on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. I was down near Royal gathering strays. You know, cowboys and cattle. Don't get holidays And I should have been finished Except for one little guy Who kept leading me farther away He ran up on a mesa Across the ravine Past the Indian ruins And a muddy red stream And I stopped for a spell Cause I was bone tired And I guessed that I started I saw three painted horses 
And three dark-skinned men A mask made of clay With voices like wind Singing We seek the soul Of all that is good We come bearing corn Water and wood Stop and behold All that is good Give thanks for the corn Water and wood Now I'm an old trail hound always believed that your boots and your saddle are all that you need. No miracles happen and no angels appear, but I swear three men were standing there. I shook myself over, had I been asleep, it's just three Pueblo children tending their sheep, and they yelled, Merry Christmas! As they brought me my stray And their voices rang through the mesquite Singing, we seek the soul Of all that is good We come bearing corn Water and wood Stop and behold All that is good Give thanks for the corn Water and wood Of all that is good, we come bearing corn, water and water, and stop and behold, all that is good. Give thanks for the corn, water and in the sky, corn, water, and wood. We're back on Saddle Up America with our special guest, Mr. Randy Rasmussen. And uh, so, Randy, talk to us a little bit more about wilderness. What are maybe some of the prohibited uses that we have? And, uh, yeah, just kind of kind of run us through this thing. Okay. Well, that, no, that's a great one. So, what I... Well, Backcountry horsemen love about wilderness is it really forces us and the government really to be humble, to show restraint. You know, we just can't do anything we want or develop wilderness. So, you know, the Wilderness Act of 1964 has a number of prohibited uses to keep these wild lands, you know, wild. So one is commercial enterprises. I mean, you can run a pack train or do stuff in, in wilderness, but you can't have your business set up inside a wilderness area and, and buildings and whatnot. But importantly, things like roads uh, are a generally prohibited use in wilderness, and there's always exceptions. There are areas that have been designated wilderness that are restored, and they used to have roads, and they kind of eventually maybe go away. There's right, you know, uh, but they're you know generally these are general prohibitions. Uh, the use of motor vehicles, so you can't ride your ATV or motorcycle by law in wilderness. Um, even mechanical transport like bicycles are technically prohibited in federal wilderness um, because it's considered to be something more of a modern 
contrivance, you know, a mechanized travel being a bicycle, for example. Motorboats, landing of aircraft, you know, those types of things are generally prohibited. Even motorized equipment like a chainsaw are generally prohibited in wilderness. And there are exceptions, but that's kind of the theme about how we show restraint and how we kind of keep these lands, you know, in a more primitive and natural state. Right, right. And you know, it's interesting, Randy, as you mentioned, I was was just going to say, as I listened to you describe some of the things that are not allowed, I can't help but then wonder or uh, or better understand um, what happens when we have fire in these areas, if there's no, you know, roads that um, fire engines, you know, or in any kind of way that we can quickly get to fires within wilderness areas. Is there... Is there? Do you have any kind of a, a, a comment about fire in wil- in wilderness areas? Oh, you bet, Bobby. That that's really something that continues to be controversial. Um, and and one of the, I'll call it one of the threats to wilderness is, you know, historic fire suppression. That you know, for over a century, we've suppressed fires even in these backcountry remote areas uh, when we probably didn't need to or, or shouldn't have. And now we know today that that fire suppression of over a decade has caused a huge buildup of fuels. But you're asking too specifically about mm-hmm. given the lack of roads and access for motorized equipment, does that make great more challenges to fight fires when they ignite? And I'd say, yeah, I mean, it does. Um, some people oppose wilderness for that reason. Um, you know, it's, there's been a long history of at least a couple of decades ago, allowing fires to burn in wilderness because it's not only a natural process, as long as there aren't people or structures at risk, it was thought mm-hmm. to be a good thing. Now that clearly changes as more people live near wilderness or wilderness areas mm-hmm. are designated close to communities. Um, that's a different variable. So I mentioned those general prohibitions and roads being one of them, but that doesn't stop and hasn't stopped the agency sometimes from helicoptering in bulldozers and creating roads and fire lines in wilderness if there's risk to you know people and structures, so it it, yeah. it cuts both yeah. ways. It protects the wilderness, but it also then makes things like fire suppression once a fire ignites uh, more challenging in some cases. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really interesting. There's you know clearly there's lots of concessions that the framers of the Wilderness Act made years ago. Um, you know, for example, commercial grazing of livestock that still occurs in a lot of wilderness areas. In most, quite frankly thought to be something that could still be compatible with, you know, preserving wilderness character in in a broad sense. And even things like mineral rights and mineral leases, you know, that existed at the time or had high potential for development, there were certain caveats made for mining. And there still exists some runways, you know, airstrips um, in wilderness areas uh, where planes can land. And the land around it technically is wilderness, but the airstrip is not so it can still be used in these more remote places. And that also helps mm. fire, uh, firefighting, like in the Bob Marshall Wilderness Complex in Montana and elsewhere. And even things like access to private land or state lands that are, you know, somehow, you know, locked within a wilderness area. And of course, right. mm-hmm. to be avoided as much as possible. But the federal agencies have to provide access to those private lands uh, in most, you know, in some way, shape or form. So these are a lot of exceptions to what most people consider, well, it's not perfectly primitive and pristine if you're still allowing these things to occur. 
I'd say on the whole, it was a pretty good compromise. And by, by and large, you know, our wilderness areas are pretty wild and untrammeled. What are the major threats to our wilderness areas today, Randy? Okay. Well, yeah, Bobby hit on one of them is that the fire suppression issue that we talked about. I'd say one of the biggest threats to our enjoyment of wilderness, you know, and, and you know, again, backcountry horsemen just love wild places, is the lack of awareness about wilderness, what it is, its importance to, you know, the American ideal. In my mind, American psyche in a place of refuge to escape uh, modern society and, and really, you know, uh, be at peace. So it's, it's that lack of awareness among the public because we occasionally get lots of, you know, people, including members of Congress, saying we need to strip out these wilderness areas and, you know, and make them productive for, for timber or forestry or mining or something. Um, mm-hmm. There continue to be continue to be those threats, and I get it. I understand that. Um, there's currently a bill in Congress right now that would authorize bicycle use, in this case, mountain bikes. Mm-hmm. Uh, in in mm-hmm. wilderness and every wilderness area in the United States, and that doesn't seem, you know, in the scheme of things, a huge threat. But it's just wilderness areas, you know, die by a thousand cuts. You allow one thing mm-hmm. versus another, and all of a, all of a sudden, it's not wilderness; it's lost its wild character. So, BCHA is going to fight, you know, those kinds of things in that particular bill in Congress right now to say no. Let's not keep adding more things that were previously, uh, you know, prohibited. Um, you know, climate change has been huge in terms of affecting both extending the fire season, creating more fire risk, um, you know, in terms of the species that inhabit wilderness uh, and the, or flooding that occurs because of our climates in such a wacky condition now. There's so many climactic things that actually change the very landscape, its composition, its wildlife. Um, things like air pollution. We've had, you know, wilderness areas, I'm thinking of in the high Sierras in California where they've had acidic lakes because of all the, you know, all the agricultural and industrial smog or soot, you know, raining on the Sierras and creating such a high pH in the lakes that the wildlife, you know, doesn't thrive and you can't, you can no longer fish in, in lakes in the high Sierras. And in some cases that's, that's been changed. It's, it's getting better, but even air pollution can be bad. Um, invasive species, you know, you, whether it's animals or it's plants that take over and change the whole habitat, change the conditions for wildlife over time, that continues to be a threat, um, you know, in, in just the kind of non-native species that these areas were meant to protect, you know, the native flora and fauna. And lastly, I'll just mention, you know, one of the threats to wilderness is there sometimes there's too many people coming in. Um, depends where you live. Hopefully that's not right. the case in most wilderness areas, but sometimes they're too trampled by people, and I've seen many places that are that way. Too many hikers. You don't get too many horsemen too often because it's, there's not that many people that do it. But today there's just places where there's too many hikers and backpackers, and it looks like a freeway that's been trampled, you know, the width of an area or just multiple trails or campsites that – just look like bombed out areas for, for miles in every direction. It's, it's happening in many places, but usually where near where the human population is. Right, right, right. Well, I know mm. the area that I'm in in Utah, that's one of the big things is the hiking and the, uh, the number of people that come in and they come from all over the world. No, you're in Canyon country there. And 
Yeah, it's it's bringing lots of people, and that's a good thing. We want people to get outdoors. We want people to enjoy public lands and wilderness. But the federal agencies do have to impose restraints sometimes because it's being loved to death. We've heard that term in terms of our national yeah. parks in many cases. It's true for wilderness in many places too. Um, but we really, backcountry horsemen of America, tries to make sure when the agencies do impose restrictions that they are targeting the problem and not just generically everybody that visits and they actually are meaningful and will make a difference uh, lots of times that doesn't occur and so we're trying to make the agencies be very strategic in what restrictions they do impose in a wilderness Mm-mm-mm. well we need to we need to uh we need to of our wilderness areas and use constraint and use common sense which is unfortunately difficult to come across sometimes <laughs> you know yeah. Yeah. Uh gosh. Randy, you have been very informative today. This is this has been like a fun show talking about our wilderness areas and um yeah, I just I hadn't thought about the the act and when it got started and what was the purpose for all of this. So this is this has been very good. Uh so if people want to get involved with Backcountry Horsemen of America all across the country. How can they do that? Well, I would suggest to start with, go to our website, bcha.org. That's Country Horsemen of America, bcha.org. On that landing page, there's a chapter locator. Find a chapter in your area. And we're backcountry horsemen are in 32 states from coast to coast in the U.S. and Alaska. Um, so we have over 200 chapters across the nation of men and women that just want to give back to public lands. And really our, you know, our motto is keeping America's trails open to everyone, not just the horsemen. Of course, we definitely benefit, but the trails right. we maintain, keep it open for hikers, for hunters, bird watchers, you name it. Um, you know, we keep trails open for everyone. So, uh, lots of people. And as we talked with Bobby last you know, time on the, on this show, you don't have to have horses or mules to be a member of backcountry horsemen. You just want <laughs> you, go, spirit. You, you, you love your public <laughs> lands and you, you want to see some people that really give back in different exciting ways and really get engaged with uh, the public lands managers. You know, uh, Bobby, you're right there in Albuquerque and that whole Sandia mountain is federally designated wilderness. You know, you look up at that massive mountain, and you can see and look right into wilderness, and there's some great trails on top there, even trails that get to the top uh, from town. Or you can take, of course, the, the, the tram, right, you know, that goes and drops people off at the ski area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. you've got wilderness right there in your backyard, and it's, it's really a gift to the American public that we have places like that that are largely protected. And, um, you know, but that's how you get a hold of BCHA is bcha.org. Um, or find us, you know, other other ways. But I'd say website for folks who have web access is the best thing and the easiest way to get hold of us. Well, I would think so. And I would, again, encourage people to get involved with the Horsemen of America. So if you love the outdoors, if you love riding America's trails, or if you just enjoy hiking and walking the trails. And, uh, and Bobby can get involved where she is. Uh, they love to eat, so Jim can make some of that great chili that he makes. 
and take some of those meetings. Uh, gosh. Well, Randy, thanks for being with us today. And do uh, you have any big plans for Christmas? Uh, again, small and low-key here at home with the immediate family. So uh, we're keeping it low-key. All right. Well, that's, I think, a wise thing to do. But uh, Christmas is right around the corner. And uh, I'm kind of looking forward to my Christmas this year. So it's going to be a lot of fun. But, Randy, thanks for being with us. We'll talk to you in the new year. And uh, we're going to close this segment of the show out with a great song from the Sons of the San Joaquin. And it's called I'll Be Home for Christmas. Randy, thanks so much for joining us today. A pleasure to join you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.
I'll be home for Christmas. That's the sons of the San Joaquin. So it's been a good show today. Yeah, a lot of fun. I guess I'm finally uh, inspired to start getting the decorations out now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. Well, we're trying to do that around here, too. So I think we're going to I think we're going to go out and get us a live tree. uh, Nice. So that's that's that'll be fun. Yeah, that will be fun. That'll be fun. So we had a good time with uh, Twin Kennedy today and uh, really enjoyed those girls and enjoy their music. I I think it's absolutely great. Uh, Randy is always so interesting, and uh, we're happy to have him joining us now the first Thursday of every month with Backcountry Horsemen of America. So it's been a great addition to the show as well. So... Um, really, really, really enjoy having him with us. Bobby, what's going on without West? I noticed that you've got a new, uh, a new benefactor or beneficiary, I uh, guess yeah. would be the way to say it, for yes. Hero Collection. Yes, we do. Um, this month, the month of December, the Hero Collection proceeds, um, will go to the International Western Music Association, the IWMA, and we're very excited to be um, partnering with them for this month. I have, as you do, a huge heart for Western music and um, very involved with this organization, both on a local level, and I um, am a new intern on the national level um, with the board, and so um, I'm delighted that we will be able to um, partner with them this month with yeah. <laughs> that is yeah. so cool. And how can people participate in the Hero Collection? Sure, you just go to outwestshop.com, and there on the homepage, you can just scroll down just a little bit, and you'll see a wonderful image of a great little dog and an airplane. Plain, and it clearly says shop the hero collection and when you click on that there's over a thousand items i think so we also have broken the hero collection down into hero for her hero for him and hero for home all right and all you'll right. find you'll find those you know under on the shopping toolbar the drop down right. menu so yeah well, most people today are going to be shopping from home, particularly with this uh, uh, coronavirus deal. So go visit Outwest Shops and do your shopping there online. So what's your cutoff date for shipping, Bobby? Do you have one? Well, a lot of our um, purchase uh, people's purchases will ship directly from the manufacturers, and most manufacturers are getting product out Sometimes the day of your order or the next day really depends on where you live. Um, I would say you would want to have orders in by the 18th, 19th to be sure. 
Um, I do have a, a list of cutoffs in the customer service section of the of the website. It is amazing how fast some things can get there um, as we watch and track, you know, with each order that goes out. <laughs> All right, so, but the earlier, uh, everybody the earlier, be the better. Time on that. Yes. Yeah. The earlier, the, the better, earlier. and that would be true for all online shopping. Yes. That's right. Yeah. That is right. All right. And so uh, I mentioned a little bit earlier, we had our first Equestrian Legacy Radio live concerts on Thanksgiving, and uh, we were just tickled to death response that we got from around the world on that. And uh, I think, Bobby, we had over 10,000 views of the concert so far. Wow. So that Fantastic. was uh, that was pretty good. And uh, Thanksgiving Day, we're going to be doing our second Equestrian Legacy Radio Facebook Live concert. And uh, for that concert, Alan and Jill Kirkham are going to be joining us. Mark Munzer will be joining us. And then the Sawyer Family Band. So three great performers that will be taking place at uh, 7 Central Time on Christmas Day. So visit the Equestrian Legacy Radio Facebook page and uh, and check out the concert. And I think for most people, by the time that they get to Christmas Day evening, they're just kind of ready to kick back, you know. They've mm-hmm, already done their mm-hmm. Christmas Eve thing and their Christmas morning and their Christmas lunch. So it's going to be a whole lot of fun. But uh, And then next week on the Campfire Cafe, we have Anna Christina Cash that's going to be joining us. That is the daughter-in-law of Johnny Cash and June Carter Cash. And uh, so she's going to be with us, and she has a great Christmas album out as well and a new single for Christmas that's out. So we're going to be visiting with her. And then our good friend, Mr. Robert Eversold-Meister, will be on Saddle Up America. So we've got a lot of great music coming up. We're looking forward to the whole rest of the year. Not much of it left. And uh, yeah, I mean, this year is going by even, even as aggravating as this virus has been. Uh, It's been a fast year, hasn't it? It sure has. It It really has. And lots of, lots of changes for the whole family. Big changes for me. So, yeah, yeah. so as challenging as uh, 2020 has been, it's had a lot of blessings, too. So we're grateful for that. But anyway, we invite you to join us again next Thursday, beginning at noon Central Standard Time for the Campfire Cafe in Saddle America. And then mark your calendar to be joining us for the Equestrian Legacy Radio Facebook Live concert on Christmas Day. You'll certainly to be able to sit in and, and uh, see the acts that are going to be performing for that as well. So we're going to close out the show. This is such a cute song. I just, I found this the other day and I thought, I'm going to do this. This is Buck Owens. It's Santa's going to come the stagecoach. I like this, Bobby. And uh, we thank you for listening today and look forward to having you come back and join us again next Thursday on the Campfire Cafe in South America. We'll talk to you later. Talk to you later. Well, I've been sort of worried about Santa Claus this year. 
Cause we live way out west And it didn't snow out here But I'm telling you not to worry Cause I just got the word Everybody listen closely And I'll tell you what I heard Santa's coming in a stagecoach Instead of his trusty sleigh He'll have horses instead of reindeer To carry him on his way Cause the weatherman had some problems He couldn't get snow, you see Santa's gonna come in a stagecoach When he visits you and me Well, Santa can't bring his reindeer He'll leave them far away But don't you worry about him He's gonna be here Christmas Day He's got a big red stagecoach With jingle bells and all And there's gonna be a Merry Christmas A Merry Christmas for all Santa's gonna come in a stagecoach Instead of his trusty sleigh He'll have horses instead of reindeer To carry him on his way The weatherman had some problems He couldn't get snow, you see Santa's gonna come in a stagecoach When he visits you and me Santa's gonna come in a stagecoach When he visits you and me 